Hey everyone, welcome to Rough Draft Revelations. I am your host, Ashley Privet, and this is a podcast where you'll hear what I'm learning through life, Jesus, and therapy. Today is the third and final episode in my singleness series. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Singleness and Advent or Singleness and Sexuality yet, I highly suggest you check them out. They both set a good foundation for this third and more practical episode. But don't worry, there's no prerequisites to listen to this one. I just want you to listen to all of them. So keep listening to this and then go back and check out the ones you missed. So today's episode is about building a single household. And I have my dear friend Victoria Jacob here with me to talk about what it looks like to build a life as a single adult. So Victoria, hello. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I am so glad you're here with me today. How are you feeling? Well, this is a first for me. I have never had a conversation recorded. Um, This is throwing (laughs) me back to internship days in college where you had to record yourself and present it in front of a class. But this feels so much less pressure. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, we really are just here to have a conversation about this. And I know that... Um, as someone I've been friends with for a long time and someone who I've talked about this topic with many times, I felt like you were a really good person to have this conversation with. And I think that you have a lot of valuable insight to offer people. So before we dive into this, um, do you want to share how we know each other and yeah, where we are now with our friendship? Okay. (laughs) Uh, let me go back. I guess it's like six years now. Um, we both really wanted cheap rent and volunteered to live in the basement of a house together. Um, and so strangers moved in, shared a room, a bathroom, a basement. I still can't believe we did that. I know. (laughs) I can't believe how cheap the rent was. For real. (laughs) The best I've ever had. Um, and we, I think started saying we weren't looking for good friends and yeah anyway oh my gosh I forgot about that so one of our first conversations you had asked me what what was it you asked me um you asked me what I thought about friendship and I told you I'm so ashamed to say this (laughs) on this podcast I told you that friends were only for seasons Mm -hmm. and that no friends left, lasted a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I may have even been as as explicit as being like, we're roommates, but that's about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, just wait and see. And oh, man, by November. <laughs> I, think I we actually had forgot. Totally about that. different. Wow. <laughs> that is really just going to set the stage for how far we've come and the fact that it is a miracle that we are considering ourselves worthy to talk about this today (laughs) but yeah we truly started at the bottom so so we were college roommates um I was in grad school you were in undergrad and then we went our separate ways for a little bit and then we ended up living together in Nashville yes so built a single home together Mm, and then um took that single home to a married home and moved in with a couple together and then went our separate ways again and now I live in Virginia and you're still in Nashville so we're long distance friends but Mm. yeah wow 
we have had, we've been friends through a lot of different stages and we have built, yeah, homes together Mm -hmm. as roommates and then separately and individually and brought, we've lived with other people Mm -hmm. and then we've also lived with just the two of us and then now you live on your own Mm -hmm. um, and I live with another friend. Yeah. But, um, wow, we have, we've covered a lot of different ground. So... Before we start, I want to give full credit to the title of this episode to my friend Josh Young, who is a pastor in Clarksville, Tennessee, and he recently preached a series about households, and one of his sermons was about the single household, and I really loved the language that he used to describe that, because a single household communicates that value that a single person's life has as not just a waiting room or an addition to someone else's household, but worthy of building as its own household in itself. So thank you, Josh, for that and for putting language to that. Okay, so Victoria, we've already touched on how our lives have kind of intertwined as a household and how we've built that and how we've grown in building our own single households. Mm -hmm. But what does building a single household look like to you? Man, it has it has changed in definition over the years. Um, it has looked like building a household with other single people, mm, yeah, um, and in community sharing a home. And then for the last year, a little over a year, um, I moved into a place on my own. So it's a cute duplex. I have a whole yard, a porch, um, oh, and just we love it space <laughs> and have learned have been learning how to build a single household living on my own and working and being a part of a church and figuring out how to do life not by myself but in community where no one else shares the same address that I yeah. do for Yeah. And I think it's important I want to talk about this with you too because we keep saying household and house interchangeably but like mm-hmm. a house isn't just or a household isn't just a house. I think when I think of the term a single household or a household, I'm thinking about the place you live, but also the life that you're living and the life you're creating, whether Mm -hmm. that's how you're inviting people into that, the decisions that you're making, how you're building a whole life. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. And so it is different to do that as a single person because... I don't know. We hear all the time about making these life decisions with a partner and with someone else. And so it's different when really the weight of those just falls back on you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I do. Um, that's more the negative side of it. But okay, that's true. <laughs> I, there is a weight and I think we can definitely talk about that. Um, but there's also a lot of freedom that comes Mm. with it. I love that I graduated college and said, where do I want to live and picked a city and you just happened to already be settled there. And I got to start a life and build a life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the Lord changed things around and I felt called to Virginia and was able to pick up and move and, live with someone for six months and then get my own place. And I love the flexibility that came and the ability to make these Mm -hmm. decisions for what 
I value for what the Lord was leading. He spoke and I could pick up my life and move or I could settle down. And so, um, I really, there is a weight that comes to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's important to have people speaking into your life and asking those questions, but there, there's a lot of life and joy. So much life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not just a weight of doing that. There's a lot of freedom in it too. Yeah. Hmm. Now I do feel the pressure (laughs) to make the right decision. And especially in the area of like finances is something where I go, there's no accountability there unless I ask Mm. for it. I make my money, I spend my money or I save my money or I do what I want with it. And there's not any accountability Mm. with that. Um, And so I do feel a responsibility to steward it well Um, And have had to find out how to ask people how they steward their money well while not talking about specifics. Because Mm. their household looks different than my household looks. Yeah. And so where you're maybe building a household with a spouse, you have a shared income. You're talking about Mm. the same numbers. You're talking about your values and you're wrestling through those questions. But you're doing it together. We're here. I am doing it on my own. Mm. But having other people speak in with the things that are important to them and being able to listen to that and say, yeah, I value that. Like I have friends that just bought a house and it was such a good investment for them, but listening mm-hmm. to the time commitments and the home renovation right. and the landscaping, I was like, I'm not at a place in my life to do that right now. <laughs> and so I appreciate that they got to do that and I could listen to how that was a wise investment for them right now. But for me, a wiser investment of my time was to go back to school. Mm, and yeah. so learning from them and recognizing that a good decision doesn't have to be my decision because yes. it works best for their household. It doesn't necessarily work the best for mine, but I have to take ownership of that. I don't get yeah. to say someone else values that. It's my values and mm. you can clearly see it. Yeah. I also, I really like what you said about how... Um, there's not the accountability there that, and that you have to create that yourself because mm-hmm. there is accountability and we, we stand before God for the decisions mm-hmm. that we make oh, yeah. and we need to steward the resources and the time that we have, but being single and being in a single household means that people don't hold you accountable as automatically as they would if they lived in the same house as you and Mm -hmm. shared the same bed as you. Like there's a lot more room for secrecy maybe in singleness. And so it's harder to acknowledge that you still need people and to ask for their opinions and ask them to look at those vulnerable things like your budget or (laughs) like the decisions that you're making about school or the way you spend your time and ask for their input, even if you might not like what they have to say. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I remember even just not long ago, us talking about how you were asking some people for financial wisdom Mm -hmm. and feeling really nervous about that. And I wasn't able to completely understand all of that, but I was able to be like, oh, wow, yeah, it's hard to let people in on your finances when it would be easier not to. 
Yeah. Well, when we were living together, my finances, I made as much as I was putting out. <laughs> Rent cost nearly as much as I was making. And so there, I didn't have to ask those questions. What do yeah. I do with my money? All of my money was allocated to survival. <laughs> and you knew where that money needed to go. <laughs> I didn't make a lot. Uh, and I loved that season. Yeah. But when the job changed and suddenly there was a steady income instead of a by hour never right. knew how much was coming in week by week yeah um okay what do I do and how can I plan and start budgeting the yeah. excess was when it was time to invite people in and to start mm. having those questions yeah and you have embraced that so well you've you've embraced letting people see the parts that you can hide of how mm. you're building your household and that is really admirable. And part of the reason that I wanted you to share that with people and be able to say how you've done that as um, a single household. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's a strange... <laughs> um, yeah, I guess thank you. Um, You're but welcome. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's different. And it, I don't think that it's really been modeled. There's not mm. a lot of people who have asked me for advice or yeah. for opinions on those things um and frequently even in like a life group situation when I was like I need help with this mm -hmm. they were like oh we just ask our spouse and I was like mm. that's great but I need someone to also be willing to let me ask these questions and so yes. in a way I recognize asking people to let me ask questions that they don't need to ask people outside of their mm. household and so it looks a little different yeah it does it does and that's yeah that's part of the unique um part of having and being a part of a single household mm -hmm. um so i think that leads to a question i have for you which is what what is challenging about being a single household for you hmm we're just diving right in okay yeah i was gonna I'm talk going more about it. the perks <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get to the perks i figured we would start with the with the challenges and then end on the high notes. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, the challenging part. I, I think the loneliness mm. is um, probably the biggest thing that comes to mind. There, yeah. It shows up in the most random of places. So getting my own house was a hard decision um one that mm -hmm. honestly terrified me yeah to think about spending that much time by myself I loved being able to come home and someone asked about my day and I loved being able to walk outside and mm -hmm. there was an extra meal made or it felt like there was a shared living yeah. <laughs> with someone or in that extra time where you just didn't have anything to do, if coincidentally, say you didn't have anything to do, right. we could hang out. Right. <laughs> it was just built in yeah. community, built in friendship. And so I was really scared about how quiet mm. it would be. Yeah. And I think was honestly scared to take up space mm. within this household. I had always rented a room or shared something and so moving into this place on my own, I remember just sitting on one spot in the couch and going, I don't, I don't need more than this. What am I going to do with all of this space? And mm -hmm. then 
going yeah. and filling it and saying, oh, on this one seat, I do my devotions in the morning. And on this other seat, I eat the meals that I cook for myself. And on this other seat, I do takeout. And yeah. on this one place on the couch, I watch TV. And on this other place on the couch, I read my books. And again, that changes on a day-to-day -day basis, but finding my routine and finding yeah. when I open the blinds in the morning and finding <laughs> when I play music and when I don't um, has been needed, but it took, it took yeah. facing that quiet to get comfortable in it and comfortable enough to then let people in. Mm -hmm. And so I had these great visions of, of like bursting at the seams household, right? <laughs> where I was hosting people all the time and doing all these things. But honestly, it was just quiet. I'm sort of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so there's no noise and the house is quiet. Um, mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there are many days where no one knows what I did that day. Mm. No one knows how I spent my time. No one knows how I responded to a situation that happened at work. And sometimes like my job can be hard. <laughs> I work yeah. at a counseling center and with crisis clients. And it just, at the end of the day, where what do you do with that? Right. <laughs> what do you do on those days yeah. when the story was just really hard to hold? Mm -hmm. um, but I think like something you said that was really beautiful to me is how you said you didn't know how to fill that space. Like you just needed a little bit of space. But what I love about this is that you could have learned that you're worthy of space, both physical space, but like emotional space and space in life. Um, you could have learned that through other people and living with people and them saying, Victoria, you are worthy of space, but <laughs> you learned it through the quiet and just having to fill the space and realizing like, wow, there's enough of me to create a whole home here mm. and to create a life with a fulfilling job and mm -hmm. with community. But it took the quiet and the mm -hmm. absence of that for you to realize that you could fill it. Yeah. And that is just really significant. And I think that that's something that a lot of single people feel is hmm. that we don't have a space or that we can't fill a space because we're just ourselves. We don't have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is like you created a seat yeah. for <laughs> like you created a spot for you at the table mm -hmm. and you created every seat for you yes. at the table. <laughs> And while, like, we're not saying that you should be selfish and be like, um, excuse me, that seat's reserved for... Yes. It's not a Sheldon Cooper thing. Victoria on Tuesdays. <laughs> but you created a life that was full. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, lonely. Mm -hmm. But it was full. And that's really special. And I'm sure it took a lot of hard work to get there. Yeah, it took a lot of quiet. Mm -hmm. to learn how to have music, like how to have noise and yeah. beauty. Uh, and I think I'd spent so long running away from it and scared mm -hmm. of not being able to fill the space yeah. or um, not knowing 
what to do or Mm -hmm. how to spend my time or whatever. But I think I needed to learn how to be comfortable Mm. with myself and how to make those decisions and stand by them and how to evaluate what are my values with whether it's finances and I had to choose what they were and create a thought out budget and then present that to someone else Mm -hmm. and vulnerably just say, hi, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What, what do you think? (laughs) Do you agree with it? Do you disagree? And so there wasn't necessarily someone making those decisions with me, but someone who was, I was making them and then and inviting people into that, inviting someone in afterwards and saying, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do with it? But I would way rather have someone else tell me what to do. Right. And then we do it. <laughs> yeah. And people are different that way. Mm-hmm. Some people are, some people for them, singleness is a challenge of not giving themselves too much freedom to make their own decisions because, um, it's easy to just do what you want. And mm-hmm. I can be that way. I really like to be able to make my own decisions, but mm-hmm. I have to remember that my decisions still affect other people. I'm not yeah. isolated in a vacuum of decision making as a single person and that the decisions I have affect my friends, my community, my family. Um, but it sounds like you had to realize that your decisions were capable of being made by you, that you were mm-hmm. worthy of making those and that you had all that you needed to be able to do that. But that you could invite people into that as well. Yeah. Hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I, another thing where I was thinking, like, what's challenging? Um, yeah. And I don't, this isn't so much talking about the house, though it can, but when I think of building a single household, it doesn't, I don't spend as much time in my house as mm. I think a lot of my friends do. And yeah. As someone who's single, I get asked to join my married friends' lives and be a mm-hmm. part of it. And it's such a gift yeah. to get to bear witness to some of their most intimate and precious moments. Right. But also sometimes like I miss having people come to my house. It's just mm-hmm. easier to go to my friend's house who has kids and there's yeah. toys and there's the bed and or their husband's there and so they can make them yeah. dinner and they make an extra meal and I love that like I love having people invite me over and I love being in other people's homes but unless it's scheduled I don't really have spontaneous Mm. people who are like oh let me leave my home to come join yours and I don't know that it's necessarily a value thing but the way that you had worded it earlier just made me wonder if there is this is there less value? And that's a lie that I have to face frequently, that my life has less value because I choose to join other people's instead of them choosing Mm -hmm. to join mine. Yeah. Um, And that we can do it together, but somewhere else that's not in my space. Yeah. And I think, I haven't ever thought about that before, but I think you're right. And I think that when you're in relationship with people who are not single, it often doesn't look like them 
coming into your own house, but you going to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, there is a little bit of sadness there of like wanting to share your own space and like the house that you live in is a safe place for you and a place Mm -hmm. of comfort and security. And so it's great to have people over and invited into that. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's something that even just for the people listening who are married can note, like we, we like having people over yeah, (laughs) and we can host too. We Mm -hmm. have bought sets of silverware and (laughs) plates and we may not have a KitchenAid mixer, but Mm -hmm. we might. And we can, I don't know, sit on a couch and drink tea. Yeah. If you're looking for quiet, my house is the place to be, but I know it can be a little unnerving. (laughs) I love it. I think it's great. Um, And I know I just made a joke about a KitchenAid mixer, and this is something that I've (laughs) joked with you about before, Uh but I just, in my experience, it seems like every wedding registry that I look at, the first thing on it is a KitchenAid mixer. And so in my mind, I think for years I've decided like one day... I am going to get married and I'm going to have a wedding registry with a KitchenAid mixer and I will have arrived. And I really have seen that as like the symbol of getting what you want in marriage, which is the dumbest thing. But, <laughs> but it was really, money for that. I know. They're like $300. And so I'm like, I can't afford that. But I want one. And so I should just buy one, honestly, and save up for it, budget for it, Mm -hmm. ask people if, you know, it can fit in my budget, and then get it. But to me, I think that is something that single households have to ask themselves about, is what purchases are, are needed and what purchases maybe aren't needed, like a KitchenAid mixer, but hold value in a single household as well as a married household. And so for me, that has been something I've had to consider of like, is this something that I've been waiting to buy until X happens or I get married or I turn this age or whatever (laughs) it is, or is this something that I really can have right now? And you know, there are times where I need to wait to buy something. Like I need to just demonstrate self-control and not like just (laughs) you know, swipe my credit card whenever I want. But at the same time, there are purchases that I can have right now. Like they're, they're not things that I need to withhold myself from. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about that? Yeah, it is a tricky balance because we are living on one salary. So finances are a little tight. I know I spoke of excess earlier, but that's not a lot. (laughs) So I'm just rolling in. Yeah, (laughs) so much. Um, where there are some things where I think a second income could really help afford that KitchenAid mixer. (laughs) I will say though, okay, I feel like I need to pause us here because I have said that comment to some of my married friends and they have very quickly taken up arms to say that I am wrong in thinking that. And so if my married friends are listening to this and you're saying, this girl is crazy thinking, I'm going to have more money if I'm married. Mm -hmm. I hear you. (laughs) I just maybe don't completely believe you. (laughs) But I admit that this is a rough draft revelation, and I might need to be revised there. (laughs) Okay, continue. (laughs) Yeah. I think it just all goes back to what you said a minute ago about our value. Mm. Um, 
where are we putting value right now? And if it's on that item, then yes. If it's going to enrich our life, then go for it. Mm -hmm. I spent $30 on a throw pillow and (laughs) talked about it for an entire week because I splurged on something unnecessary (laughs) that I felt like made my whole living room complete and so much more welcoming. Yes. And great. I'm so thankful that I did. But I'm going to be honest that in the back of my head when I brought that pillow, it was, okay, well, it, it's, it has pink on it. If I ever have a guy over, is he going to think that I'm too girly? And what am I going to do with this <laughs> stuff if I ever get married? And I had to stop that real quick, real quick. But that thought ran through my head as I got this pillow. Well, I have to put it in a back room someday. Mm-hmm. If a man moves into my house or we get a house mm-hmm. together, where will this pillow fit into a life that I can hope for, but isn't yeah. quite a reality yet. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know the balance of yeah. being present and celebrating purchasing those things now and recognizing maybe it is just for a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it brought joy and excitement and conversation and the girls in my Bible study loved it. You know, it was a right. great thing, but I don't know where it's going to be in five years. Yeah. And so I have learned with material things there. I just feel like I hold them loosely mm-hmm. right now. Cause I am not yeah. sure if or when someone will ever ask me to give it up. Yeah, no, that's real. And I think that a lot of single households feel that tension of investing in the life that you're building right now Mm -hmm. but part of that investment is looking towards the future and considering my life could look radically different and be merged with someone else's in the future and if that happens what is a worthy investment right Mm -hmm. now and that that really makes us consider the things we buy um But yeah, there is that tension of saying, I'm worthy of having things Mm -hmm. and I can buy something that I may have to give up and it doesn't have to be a waste. But then at the same time, there are things that you might have to give up. Mm -hmm. But I also think that's the way we should live life. Oh, yes. I think that's going to happen when you get married, and then it's going to happen when you have kids. Right. And it's going to happen when you move into a new house, and it's going to happen. We don't take anything to heaven, and so it's going to happen when we die. Like, we don't get to take these things with us, and so we're making investments into our present. Yeah. But there is, there should be an open hands, Mm -hmm. and I love that I get to consider everything that comes through my door probably because I purchased it, but everything <laughs> that comes through my door is a gift. It, mm. It's here, and I want to celebrate it and enjoy it for as long as it's mine. Yeah, steward it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I think that that is something that is so, maybe not so clearly seen in single households, but I think that anyone who is a part of a single household can really relate to. But I think mm. that it's, such a beneficial lesson for us to be considering and yeah be pondering daily that we hold things loosely um because now or later they're not they're not ours to keep forever Mm -hmm. so I love that um so I have a question for you 
What do you wish that people understood about single households? Hmm. I, this isn't, um, this is for me, but my door is always open. Mm. Uh, I know other people. Are you speaking for every single household? No, you may not say that. (laughs) But yeah, my door is always open. And Mm -hmm. I tell people as long as you text me, you're coming over, the door is unlocked and walk right in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I recognize that that might take some more planning. And so I do have a few married women that come to my house at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning while their husbands are still sleeping. And they carve time out and we open the word together and talk Mm -hmm. about life and hold each other accountable to what's going on. And I love that time, but it has to be planned and it has to be scheduled. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) that door's unlocked at 5.55 and very infrequently the rest of the time. And so I love when people are over. I, there's so much gifts of how I spend my time. I, I enjoy that I can wake up at 5 a.m. most mornings and run the coffee grinder yeah. and no one, I'm not going to wake anyone <laughs> up. And I get to use the sound machine when I fall asleep at night and it doesn't disturb anybody. <laughs> and so right. there are so many things that I enjoy doing. And yes, there is this longing to share those moments with someone Mm. uh to have someone present when i i mean something silly is brushing my teeth but i have a friend that i was a roommate with not ashley but another roommate that we call (laughs) and just chat while we brush our teeth and get ready for bed once or twice a week and it's just doing those day-to-day life yeah things with someone else and saying it matters yeah (laughs) they're not in vain and Mm -hmm. we're using our time to build relationships and to be present with people whether in our home or outside of our home Um, but creating space I I don't know I guess I want people to know I see value and Mm -hmm. sometimes I do come with questions and I do come with longing and it can appear that I'm behind on things Mm -hmm. I've had someone say that before oh well when I was your age and I'm like I'm older I just (laughs) I I have so many things to say (laughs) and I get that because when you were in my life stage or you haven't been in my life stage or maybe you were and you were younger and so you've never had to ask people outside of your household these questions Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm behind you in yeah. any way it's you're just different I need the church to right. be family oh yes and so I know that I value what you have to say yeah. I value when you let me into your household and that I get a mm-hmm. glimpse of family um, because I do see my single household as part of it is joining yours yeah. and it's connected yes oh Wow, I really love what you just said, that they're connected. Like, the single household and any other household is not isolated. It's not an island. Our households are all connected mm-hmm. in yeah. the family of God. Yeah. And so we have to hold value for, for all of them. Yeah. Oof, I just want to stop right there. Which actually leads me to the last thing I want to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> so we're not going to stop there. I have one more thing to ask you oh. about. 
Um, what do you think the Bible has to say about single households? Ooh. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Doesn't cover that topic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think of the verse in Psalms that was like said at a women's retreat a couple years ago about how the Lord settles the lonely in a home. Mm-hmm. And this is when we were living together that I had first heard that and I had yeah. just started desiring to someday build a home. And I was already building a home, but you know, like yeah, you just didn't realize that you were. No, I didn't. To you, a home was only with other people. Mm-hmm. A home always meant with someone else. It always meant with a husband, with kids. Mm-hmm. That's the only home or household that I had seen. And so when I thought that the yeah. Lord settles the lonely in a home, which is a promise. And so I right. prayed that over and over again that the Lord would bring that promise to fruition in my life. And over the last year, he's just shown me that I have a home. This mm. is a household. This is a life. This is valuable. And he has settled me here. Yeah. And settled in the earthly sense of the word, um, but also in the heavenly sense of he settled me in the church and he settled me yes. with himself. And the communion that I've had with him in this season, well, it's been unparalleled so far. I can't tell you (laughs) what it's going to be in the future, but I feel settled. And I never thought that he could answer that prayer Mm -hmm. and that petition without settling me in the American yeah dream or the american standard for what a house looks like Mm. but he does and he has and i don't know i think i always thought that singleness meant like jesus or paul who roamed the earth (laughs) and proclaimed the good news and never settled somewhere Mm. yeah um but i long for that sense of security and Mm. for that sense of stability and settledness wow and he answers that. Mm-hmm. I still could pick up and move tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but I think my heart would feel settled because I know who I am. I know whose I am. Mm-hmm. And I have a tribe of people around me that would come with me. Maybe yeah. not physically, but would be there and present and maintain. Right. Wow. As someone who has been friends with you through a lot of this in your own life, when we first became roommates and friends, and we just had no concept of a single household or no. building a life, we <laughs> we were different people. Yeah. And so to hear you say these things and be able to articulate it so well and in a way that I know so many people can connect to... Um, is just so special to see how you have through sweat and tears and lots of questions and conversations figured out so much of this. Um, and I know that you're a rough draft. You've still got a lot more to learn. Um, but I just really value how you have learned that and how you share it with others so that Mm. we can learn from that as well. So Thank you so much for sharing this 
with me today, Victoria. Yeah, I'm so glad I got to be here. I'm still, I think, secretly hoping that there's some type of exchange program where you can live with me for one or two nights <laughs> of the week. And we can That's what we're somehow really wanting. Interstate. Um, we want to be roommates, but me live in Nashville and you live in Virginia. Because we're both called where we're called, but we just yeah. miss being roommates. Yeah. Man, I want that too. One day, it will be possible. <laughs> I believe it. Well, thank you very much again. And thank you to all of my listeners for considering these topics important and worthy enough to dive a little deeper into. And I hope that today's episode didn't give you all the answers um, so that you continue to seek them through the word, your community, and intentional conversations with people. Remember that you can follow Rough Draft Revelations on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you all for listening and get excited for Rough Draft Revelations next episode where your girl bravely covers the topic of marriage with one of my favorite couples in the world, Gavin and Kendall Royal. It's going to be a great one.